0: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 200 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Dave Hoag. What's up, man?
1: Yeah, we also have some other guests with
0: us. We, we do have some special guests with us today because it is our 200th ep- I, That's still, I don't know how that happened, 200 episodes. Uh, Dave, who you got with
1: you
2: today? I have
1: um, my son-in-law, Shay with me and um i think very highly of him uh he is going to um tell us more about himself and and he what he does with his time um but um yeah they've been married for about 2 years now a little over 2 years and glad to have him in the family and appreciate the fact that he's willing to uh do things like this with his father-in-law so
3: yeah, well, it's pretty cool to have a father-in-law that does a podcast. So
0: <laughs> that's cool. Welcome to the show, Shay. <laughs> Thank you. Happy you're here, man. And I have a special guest with me as well, Ken Tuick, lead pastor at Life Compass Church. How are you, sir?
4: I'm excited. I this is my, I'm a rookie here. First podcast ever, and to be joining you two guys who are clearly veterans in the Hall of Fame of podcasting, <laughs> over seven years going at it, 200 episodes, uh, thank you so much, what an honor and privilege.
0: Oh, Great to have you here, I'm glad we finally got you on the show, it's only, it's only been taking
4: three years. There you go. We
0: Got it done. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, this is it, episode 200, very exciting. Um, Dave, you want to take the reins and, and uh, chat with Shay for a bit?
1: Sure. So, um, Shay, uh, has a ministry, uh, that is called love Haiti. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Now it is spelled L Q V E Haiti. And sometimes that's what people call it. Um, particularly his mother-in-law, my wife, <laughs> uh, we're trying to break her of that. And get her to love Haiti, but
3: it's everyone. It's everyone.
1: So anyway, um, so Shay, um, I, I asked you to give us kind of like what Cam said beforehand. Um, what I like to refer to is your elevator speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 seconds with somebody in an elevator. You've got your love Haiti hat on mm-hmm. and they go, Hey, what's love Haiti? Yeah. So what would you tell them?
3: Well, first I push the red button on the elevator <laughs> so that there's a little more time to talk about this. Um But no, in a normal instance on the elevator, I would uh, just mention that it's a nonprofit organization that uh, my family and I started a couple of years back. And kind of the thing that differentiates it a little bit, maybe from other um, humanitarian groups, is that we truly try to partner with Haitian communities and with Haitian leaders um, and help them realize their own dreams for development in their community, as opposed to, you know, some American form of development that we want to impose on Haitians. So. More specifically in Southeast Haiti. And yep.
1: So um, uh, why Haiti? Why
3: yeah, so the Haiti origin story and also with the LQVE piece with the Q. So my sister visited Haiti for the first time back in 2012. And she came home. This is my older sister, Quincy. She came home and then uh was just talking to her family about Haiti. She fell in love with the place. She tried to go back once, but got snowed in. Um on the, on the route to Haiti. And then unfortunately in 2015, she passed away. So, um, kind of in a sense, this first trip in 2015 to honor, uh, her life a little bit, we as a family went to Haiti and went to the same community she went to, um, met a lot of the same people that she met. And then honestly, from that one trip, it just kind of exploded into this, um, you know, huge Relationship where we have made all these Haitian friends and we wanted to partner with them and, and help them uh, through life. And so, fast forward now seven years, and um, here we are doing what we do. And so, yeah, the LQVE, the Q, um, that was because my sister's name was Quincy. Um, and so, we plugged the Q into the word love there. And then, in more recent years, for professionalism's sake, we've just kind of started pronouncing it love Haiti because it was confusing for people to go Le Quiv or <laughs> spell, spell out the whole name. So, yeah, we're, we're Love Haiti, currently spelled L-Q-V-E Haiti, but uh, that's a little bit of our origin story about how we got connected to Haiti.
1: Cool. So I know one of the things that you did recently was kind of put together a snapshot of some of the mm-hmm. things that you accomplished in 2021. Um, could you share kind of an overview of what, yeah. uh, what the highlights were in 2021.
3: Yeah. So the highlights, it's always easier to talk about the quantitative things, which is unfortunate because in my opinion the qualitative stories are the things that really matter and the really great pieces but it's easier to get across information through the numbers so so yeah last year um we kind of say our little motto is that we help Haitians help Haitians um through education healthcare, recreation and wealth creation um so kind of using that as our model last year you know we saw a couple thousand um and when I say we, I'm actually talking about our Haitian family who really runs the show down in Haiti. Uh, we saw uh, over 2,000 patients. Uh, we helped over 4,000 people get access to running water for the first time. We kept uh, elementary school from closing. Um, you know, a couple hundred uh, microloans were given out to community entrepreneurs and families. Um, and overall, in our seven years of existing, it was our biggest um in, in terms of impact, our biggest year yet, which is great. Part of that kind of sucks because part of the year was a we had a big part of the reason we had a big impact was because there was a presidential assassination and an earthquake and a tropical storm and a migration crisis. So people... Uh, gave to us you know because we were responding to all of these things um but yeah that's a little bit of a snapshot of what we did last year and again um our focus always is that we are helping Haitians develop Haiti and develop uh, and help other Haitians develop their own communities so all of those stats uh none of that would exist uh with with just me (laughs) Uh, I'm just kind of the guy in the U.S. that does some of the coordinating so it's all it's all Haitian
1: very cool so, um, one of the things that I will ask Kim to do that I'm sure you're good with is we'll put a link in the show notes to where people can give to love Haiti. And if somebody is so inclined, I'm sure you guys would be very appreciative. Oh, we'd be very appreciative. Yeah. Anybody could do there. Mm-hmm. And, um, just, uh, real quick. What, how, how would you, if people are wanting to pray, uh, for your ministry in Haiti, um, what would you recommend or, or maybe even just request of them mm-hmm. in terms of prayers?
3: Yeah, I think it's pretty general right now. Um, the The political and security situation in Haiti has been uh, very bad for the last two years, and uh, even though we're still doing what we do and we're able to partner with communities, it does make it a lot harder. And not only that, it's just kind of a whole country that's, um seems like on the brink of uh just going going crazy because of how much instability there is in in the government so above all i would encourage people to just pray for haitian leadership um like from the top down from the you know top prime minister position in the government to the locals that we interact with uh, praying for uh haitian agency and leadership i think is the most important thing right now for anyone involved
2: with haiti cool yeah well
3: thank you Mm -hmm.
1: thanks cam Throw it
2: back to you. Yeah, I got to be honest. I
0: I knew like one-tenth of all of that, so this was very illuminating <laughs> for me as well. <laughs> all I knew was like, Shay does some cool stuff in Haiti. That's what I knew. So <laughs> this was uh, pretty eye-opening to hear, one, the l- longevity of it, but also the uh, the impact that you guys are having. Um, so thanks so much for sharing that with us. I appreciate it.
2: Of course, yeah. Ken, yes. let's talk Life Compass, my Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Uh so man where to start I
0: guess okay so we're a church absolutely but I I think w- there are a few things that make life compass quirky in a good way uh so maybe could you maybe share a bit about how our church emphasizes arts and music and community outreach and, and sort of how that actually wound up leading into right. the church. Yeah. Itself? So
4: a uh, quirky, uh, eclectic group of people. And usually that usually represents artists, even though I'm not an artist at all, but I've preached a sermon that literally said that we are all artists in one way, shape or form. If that's playing an instrument or drawing or just a creativity that we get from God, our father, uh, been doing ministry for over 30 uh, plus years here in in this community in uh, the city of Kankakee. I left for a couple of years and went to Greece and uh, served as a missionary over there with my wife and I, and, and we had two young children at the time, and we have four at this point. When we came back from Greece, we desired to continue doing ministry in this community in the city of Kankakee. Did not want to duplicate all the other outreach programs that were happening and outside of the the church. And uh, we, we've, we through a lot of prayer and a lot of studying and uh, research, we came up with there's a lack of art and music in many inner cities, including the city that we were in at that point. And so we s- just started in the basement of our home, an art class with eight students. And from that point, we moved on to using a basement of another church At one point, we had over 12, 13 different uh, vehicles of ways of reaching kids through different instruments and art forms from violin to drums, piano, guitar, Uh, cooking classes. uh, We went to robotics. We did dance. We did drama. We've continued to do some of those and some of those other things we've stopped doing. But from 2008 to 2013, we were just a non-for-profit doing church or doing ministry uh, in the community And uh, the Lord let out of my heart uh, that the only way to really impact not just the students that we're working with, but also their families, was uh, the local church. And so in 2013, uh, the art and the music program birthed the church. Which uh, is pretty backwards. It it, (laughs) it was way, so yeah, the outreach, instead of the church doing the outreach, the outreach led into forming of the church. And uh, that has been literally the most emphasized thing that we do here. You walk into our building, it clearly looks much most churches. Again, even the room that we're in here right now is a studio for people to, to re- hopefully someday write, record, and produce their own music here. We've got rooms that have art painted all over the floors and the walls. Every single one of the uh, rooms in our building have art pictures of students that they've drawn in or music hanging on uh, different rooms. And so, uh, yeah, you you will know right away that it's not (laughs) your typical church.
0: So that was 2013 when the church started.
4: Yeah, so we are actually, as you guys celebrate 200 years. 200 episodes. Wow, we've been around a while, (laughs) and we looked just good. That's amazing. Uh, But as you celebrate seven years of doing this, uh, we're actually this month, March, uh, we start our ninth year of the church actually being founded and planted from the Music and Arts program.
2: What is, what's been, I know there's been a lot of ups and downs, but what has been the, the greatest joy of, watch,
0: of of watching the church go through all of the ups and downs from, you know, inception to where we're at now?
4: Greatest joy. Great question. Um, I think some of it is the maturity in those folks who started with us as in 2013 and where they are at today. Uh, The maturity, the spiritual maturity that has come along with that. The impact that it has had to our community, um, because we always want to look outward focused and that we are recognized and known for what we do in this community with the music and the arts and that we're authentic about that. I, th- I think that's the greatest joy. I, I mean, um, question is always asked: if, if your church shuts down today, would it impact your community? And I think our, our community would be impacted if we close our doors. today. Negatively impacted. Not Absolutely. Positively. Right. <laughs> right.
2: Cool. Well, Dave, should we should we tell him about our surprise? Okay. Uh can I get a drum roll, please? No. Okay, great. So, all right. So here's the deal. We've been doing this for a while, Dave and I,
0: and we have accrued some small monies over the 7 years, and we thought it's the 200th episode. Why not give $200 to two of our favorite people and ministries. So Shay, we're going to give 200 bucks donation to Love Haiti, and wow. we're going to give awesome. 200 bucks to Life Compass oh, as well. Oh, wow. What a blessing. I think, as a way to uh, just celebrate that um, two dudes talking to microphones and people have given us money for reasons we're totally, <laughs> That's uh, awesome. <laughs> we don't know why. Um, so we thought we would, we would take that. And um, I know it's not earth shattering money, but it's, it's, something that we wanted to do to
4: encourage you guys wow thank you what a blessing so so are you guys giving
3: 200 to 200 people or uh, well, just no when i
0: said small amounts of money <laughs> i wasn't kidding yes. <laughs> 200 <to two> people. <laughs> so we will we will uh we will get that uh to the right people um but we just wanted to say thanks for being on the show with us thanks for doing what you do um, and for, you know, Ken, for being a good friend and a good leader. Um, and then I assume Shay's a good son-in-law cause he's on the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: but great. So, and you know what, can again, I, I, I don't t- make this lightly. It is an hour and honor because you guys have journeyed seven years together to do this. And a lot of people after just a couple of episodes saying, you know what, uh, it's just not going to work out. And you guys have figured it out in spite of how life has sometimes changed over these years and th- that you guys are still doing it. That says a lot about you guys and honored to be able to uh, celebrate this day. And I would say Shay probably feels the same way as well.
3: I, I definitely echo the entire sentiment there, for sure. Well, you guys are very kind.
0: Uh, shall we? Uh, let's change subjects real quick. It's uh, It's Lent right now. Easter is what, six weeks away now-ish. And um, we thought it's
2: just, this is a unique time of the year um, where we are contemplating what
0: Easter means and what why Jesus went to the cross in the first place, and, and namely, right, our sin. And so I guess I just wanted to open up just a, a quick conversation on, you know, what what your experience with Lent has been, what you know, you do or don't know about it. Um, and we'll start there and then we'll work our way towards talking about Easter. So, um,
2: Dave, what do you think about Lent, my guy? So, um, I guess
1: being from an evangelical background, um, have not been in churches where, even observing the church calendar has been a common practice and um, was actually uh, because of COVID and other things. Melissa um, and I found ourselves uh, looking for a new church. And as we have done that search, one of the things w- was we we wanted that uh, we wanted the liturgy and we wanted um, the observance of the, of the calendar. And so, uh, we we think we found a church here in Olathe, uh, Redemption Church. We've got some history with it, twenty uh, some years ago. Um, but one of the things that that we just did was um, attended Nash Wednesday service uh, last uh, mm-hmm. week ago, and having been in full time ministry, having worked for several churches. Uh, I do, I, I think this is, this is correct, but it was the first time I experienced an actual Ash Wednesday service and, um, they did, they did ashes on the forehead and we spent some time, um, contemplating our mortality and that, you know, we, we, from ash, we come from ashes and to ashes will return. And so, um, I think my story is somewhat common right now that you're seeing people who maybe grew up in the church, in the evangelical church, that didn't practice liturgy in the church calendar, kind of seeking that out and looking for that, looking for church yeah. to feel like church. <laughs> and so um, I'll stop there. But I keep <laughs> talking, but that's, So that's, that's, that's where I'm at is I, I feel like I, I'm exploring this and just kind of becoming— aware of a lot of things that maybe I knew, but, Mm -hmm. um, didn't embrace, didn't really understand. Um, even kind of had that Heisman arm length of that's Catholicism Mm -hmm. mentality.
4: (laughs) Yeah. And you know what I would say that's, you're speaking my language at this point, again, pastoring a church going on nine years now, but also been a part of a Protestant of faith uh, my whole life. Um, I grew up around a Catholic community uh, growing up in school and always just knew that it was Ash Wednesday uh, because everybody had something black spotted on the forehead. But... Uh, Even before it knew it was Lent, it was always Ash Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And I always knew it was somewhere a month and a half, two months before Easter taking place. And this is the first year as a church that we have actually recognized this Lent season and actually put some stuff into place for our whole uh, community that considers Life Compass their their church home and engaged in these 40 plus 40, plus forty plus. The Sundays, 47 days leading up to Easter. So I would concur that what, what you just said, that uh, I think many Protestant churches for the very first time are going back to uh, that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so one of, the, one of the things that we're doing uh, is we're, uh, we're doing a, a reading plan. Everyone in the churches have been invited to do a reading plan um, on their, you know, the U version app. It's a it's a full Lent deal. Um, we're asking people to pray specifically for um, another pastor at the church and his family who um, are on an R one visa from Mexico, and we're really, 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 really wanting them to get their green card so they can stay and not have to go home. It's mm. been a years long process. Five I mean, years. Five years of them being here and not knowing. And, and so we're, we're, we're all in on, on, on trying to, you know, be in God's word every day, um, fasting or, or, or sacrificing something, uh, to encourage us to, uh, reflect on what Christ gave up, but also, um, to use that time to, you know, to redeem that time, to, to spend it in prayer or worship or or study or, or, or fellowship. Um, and so that's been really encouraging to me because, like, same, like, I would show up at school on a Wednesday and, like, all these kids I didn't know were Catholic would just have the stuff on their head. And it's like, oh, that's surprising. Um,
4: and the other one was fish on Fridays.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think
2: the thing for me, like, especially this year, um, the idea, not the idea, the the season of Lent is, like, to me it's become real,
0: I think for the first time in my life, like always before it was like, Oh, I'll just give up pop. And then like three days later, I'm drinking a Mountain Dew and not even realizing it, you know, like, Oh darn, I guess I'll wait till next year. But the, there's just, there's the gravity of it and, and what it is leading towards. And just the daily reminder to reflect on my sin and how, you know, Jesus, had to die because of my sin. And then you amplify that by the billions of people that have ever walked the earth. And to
2: think that a perfect person, you know, God and man died in my place because of the decisions
0: that I make. Um, like there's just, there's a certain gravity to that. That is this year um, landing in
2: a very different way for me than than in previous years. Um and so I think one of yeah, just it's a good thing I think for me um to really just have this extended period of time where I know like every day I'm going to be reminded of my sin.
0: And that sounds super like sad and it is cuz sin sucks and it had terrible you know, repercussions, but this leads somewhere, right? This leads to Easter, which is the most joyous celebratory day that we get every year. And you know, I've told Kents heard me say this a bunch. Christmas is overrated compared to Easter. Christmas doesn't matter unless Easter happens. Um, and so i'm while there is that somber attitude of of acknowledging my sin and mourning my sin and and wanting to kill my sin and joining in the Holy Spirit in the process of building the the spiritual fruit there is also this light at the end of that tunnel of Easter is coming. Easter is coming. And then we get to, with all of the self-reflection of Lent, get to just rejoice in, in the Easter celebration. So
2: I'm excited. And also mad at myself, but mostly excited. <laughs> I'm also reading a good, a good book. It's called Journey to the Cross. It's a 40-day Lenten devotional
0: by Paul David Tripp. I'll put it in the show notes for anyone that's interested along with the, uh, the Bible
2: reading plan too, because it's never too late to start. Show notes is where all the goodies are at. Yeah.
3: I don't have anything specific, uh, like anecdotally for myself to really speak on land, but kind of taking a more bird's eye view, which I think is what all three of you have touched on to some degree. But, uh, You know, like looking back to, I don't know if it it was the uh, like the Second Vatican Council when the Catholic Church, you know, labeled Protestants as actual Christians or something like that. Um, But just like seeing this recent history with Christianity and how more and more you see people starting to reach across these like boundaries of denominations or like historical practice. um, I think it's it's a really exciting thing. Like, it seems like the antagonizing is going away more and kind of a more comprehensive wholeness, like holistic acceptance is coming from like, hey, like there's some great stuff in the Eastern Orthodox tradition that like maybe we should practice in our American churches and, you know, vice versa with Catholicism. And so anyway, all all that to say, I think it's exciting um, for Christianity in terms of a global sense of coming to this more whole place where we're not uh being so you know dichotomizing with like oh no you're a catholic so you do that and that's why you have the ash on your forehead and i mean what the story Dave, that you were talking about like keeping at arms like that's my dad has told me exactly some of the similar stories with him growing up in his denomination like of just the the categories of no we don't do that because that's a lutheran thing or that's that's a catholic thing as it as if like hundred percent holistically, it would be wrong. You know, like wh- any of those things are wrong or right. Um, anyway, I'm just excited for, I don't want to use the word syncreti- syncretism because like too many people have negative connotations with that word, but, but just some of the colliding, I think of the, of the Christian cultures and to maybe make something new and better for like this coming age of, yeah.
4: Christianity. you know, I, I actually had to because i wasn't sure how how deep you guys go in this stuff i'm like i i am like i didn't want to look like the ignorant <laughs> one so i actually did some uh, I, I had to do some real history and mm-hmm. saying okay so where did this start where did it, where did it continue with with the catholic church and where did it stop with the rest of us right and just on uh, hearing some words from john calvin where he's the one who who back in the 1600s, who literally said, "You know what? This is not. Where's this biblical? Where's this in the scriptures?" And and saying, "Hey, there's a lot of ritual here," and then walking away from that in the mm-hmm. 1600s, and uh, so that was that was eye opening to me. To just the history, like you just said, um, of to to point back to, and how how did we now come back to where we are at today? We're more Protestant churches than ever, and I again. I've recognized over the last probably t- uh, fifteen years, maybe even twenty years, other Protestant churches in our community started at least talking about what well, I'm giving up this for Lent. I'm giving up pop. I'm giving up candy bars or sugar. And I'm like, oh, that's interest. Where's this all coming from?
0: Well, and yeah, there's there's been a trend specifically with like folks my age-ish from when we graduated college in the you know the the first decade of the 20th century or 21st century sorry forward of of really wanting that more high church sort of feel the liturgy the creeds singing hymns the the assumed depth that comes with that which is there but also can't be you know like I, I was at my grandma's funeral uh, and she was very Catholic, and everyone was just reciting these things for the ten thousandth time, you know. Um, but at the same time, there is to Dave's point earlier, and to lots of the conversations that you and I and, and the staff have had about the value of the church calendar and the cadence that it provides, and the link to history that there is, and and all of that. I think there's there are pros and cons to to you know denominational traditions in certain senses, but the the concept of liturgy works. Across centuries and millennia, because the focus is on constantly going back to scripture and embracing the historical connection we have, not just with the people that we're worshiping with in the same building or in the same country, but the people that have worshiped the same God for two thousand years and beyond. so it's there's there's definitely an appeal there and I can you know it's it's a trend that has you know been weaving its way through Protestantism for the last you know 20 years almost. On a more popular scale, I would
2: say, but all good stuff. Should we talk about Easter for a second, fellas? Sure, um, Dave. What's your favorite color Easter egg? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I need to
0: lighten the mood. We we said lots of fancy words.
1: Like we're, we're <laughs> I was like mixing dying mine and green and blue mm. together.
2: There you go. Teal. Speaking of secretism, jeez.
0: <laughs> so, do you guys have any like purple, fa- purple? Oh, yeah, purple. Okay. Periwinkle or lavender or just lavender? Okay. I guess. Go. Very
2: stuff.
0: good. Um, just Easter. Any Easter traditions that you guys had either growing up or stuff that you've initiated with your families now? Because um, like I know Christmas, right? You, everyone decorates their house, and you've got like office Christmas parties and church Christmas parties, and but like Easter seems to be a little more contained to like a lunch or a dinner. So I'm just curious, like what, what your experience has been with Easter as a holiday, be it, you know,
2: tradition or at church or anything like that. So I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona.
3: So by the time Easter would roll around, you know, it was already getting a little warmer. Um, but I do have some distinct memories and this was more of a Thanksgiving thing, but of, uh, playing family football together. Um, like in our backyard because it was so nice outside not and this doesn't even have any connection to spirituality or actual Easter or anything but it just was something as a kid and I was like oh yeah we you know we go to church you know on Easter and then we play football in the backyard so that was kind of the only thing that comes to my mind
4: for me, it's it's actually not a family tradition. It was something that we observed when the couple of years that we were missionaries over in Greece, and just watching how other cultures and other people groups celebrate holidays, and especially, as you said, Easter is your favorite holiday, Cam. And they, many countries, many different nationalities or people groups, literally celebrate a, a holidays much different than we do here in the United States, and uh, I remembered uh, Easter, or actually, I remember even how Friday isn't a big, Good Friday service is a a big service in the Orthodox Church, but then Sunday, the celebration at church with the banners and the flags and just how people would worship and the teaching, but then afterward, the festivity of someone who's been roasting a lamb like for ten hours on this monster spigot, and families are gathering together, bringing all sorts of food and fellowship together. That's the con. When I, whenever I think of Easter, I think of Greece. So, are we doing that this year? I would love to. Oh, Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> I could
0: go for some euros, some fresh. Oh, how do you say the sauce? <laughs> Jijiki sauce. Yeah, there you go. See, I never say it oh. right, no, but I don't, it's don't delicious. think anyone in the wizard <laughs>
2: <laughs> Um Dave, what about you, man?
1: I you know, uh, it's like you said, mostly it's it's brunch uh with the in laws kind of a thing. Um definitely have gone to church. Um you know, one of the things that I'm just reminded of is is, you know, while um didn't have a lot of the liturgy and all this in my past we were part of a church in Minneapolis where um, we did a Seder meal on the Last Supper and um, that was an actual that was a pretty cool experience um, and I know we don't have time to go into all of it but it's it's a memory that I have of uh, just a unique experience around uh, the Easter holiday and
0: yeah, I can safely say I've I've never played football in the backyard on Easter. I've never had fresh lamb off of a <laughs> spigot on Easter, and I've never had a Seder meal. So this is great. We've all had very very different experiences around Easter. Um, I,
4: you know, I, I do remember. Did I was not raised in a, a, a Christian home, and uh, my one thing that my dad always made us do on Good Friday for about. 12 or 11 o'clock to like one o'clock in the afternoon for a couple hours he made us do like quiet time and no music no no tv on no playing and it was always interesting to me he was raised with a little bit of a lutheran background but even in his non-faith he felt something needed to be done on a day like that but That's one of the only things I remember about him recognizing or acknowledging any kind of faith component to his life.
0: Well, and of course he's Lutheran, or grew up Lutheran, being from Germany, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, you know, growing up, you know, my mom would make us all matching outfits, and we'd walk over to Grandma and Grandpa's house because they lived around the corner, you know, the Easter egg hunt, which was always very confusing because, guys, I don't know if you know this, but rabbits don't lay eggs, so why is this creepy bunny handing out – it's very – Weird. Anyways, um, but I,
2: I think, um, like, for me, I, I, I guess I just wish that growing up for me that Easter had more of a
0: um, a runway like Christmas does, like, you know, Halloween happens and then there's Christmas music for two months and lights and parties and this. And I guess that's what Lent is. Right. And, um, maybe it's because, I don't know, Christmas is about a cute baby and, you know, buying ourselves nice things. Um, but so I, I guess maybe I've been missing that, my, that, that, that lead up to Easter in my life because I haven't ever really done lent uh had had never been taught what it was the purpose of it why it existed that sort of stuff um so i'm just i'm excited this year for for easter more so than usual um because of the focus that that we're placing on on lent this year as as a uh you know me as an individual but also as a staff and then as as a body of believers um and i'm just excited for what Easter's going to look like uh, this year because of the, um,
2: the, the dedication to the, the uh, Lenten season um, as a church. I think it's going to be really exciting. I am bummed though. my mom's not making my outfit this year. She doesn't do that anymore. Apparently, I have to buy my own clothes. Bummer. Anyways, gentlemen... We made it through episode 200. Huzzah.
0: The rookies did great. You you guys are welcome back anytime. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Um, Yeah. So, just Ken and Shay, thanks for being here. Um, Thanks for giving us your time and your thoughts. Um, And. For those of you on the listening end of this uh, episode, you can find the show notes at supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash two zero zero. Or if you're listening uh, on your phone in a podcast app, the notes are going to be there. Swipe around. You're smart. You can find them. I have faith in you. And uh, until next time, uh,
2: see ya. Bye.
1: Bye.
2: Thank you, guys.